Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Autism podcast with me, Michelle Davy, and with my co-host. It is me, Christelle. Hello, Christelle. How are you today? I am doing great, Misha. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. So we're welcoming back old guest today. Not old yes. in age, Mr. Black. <laughs> Mr. Black. Sorry, I always have to say it like that. Christelle tries to do it in this really sexy voice. It really disturbs me. <laughs> just stop, Christelle. Just stop. Mr. Black. Me. I don't think that's very sexy. It's just Mr. Black. <laughs> right. So today we've got on Mr. Black. <laughs> He's coming to speak to us, Christelle, about toilet training mm-hmm. and smearing this is something that i am very interested in hearing because to be honest with you i haven't heard about this on any other kind of platform even on social media i've never seen anybody really talk about it and it is something that a lot of families go through so i think let's get to it yeah christelle see this is the thing isn't it when you have this with toilet training as well i do think one of the main things as well though is potty training i mean with my kids I was lucky because my kids did learn very quick, mm. but I hate it when other people judge other parents. Oh, they're still in pull-ups. Oh, can you believe that they're three or four and still in pull-ups? You don't know the situation. Like, don't pass judgment on other people's children's and, and situations. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, you, should, you, you shouldn't do that because you don't know the circumstances and the situation at home. And I think, you know, you just get those parents who it's kind of like scoring points, isn't it? Everyone is different. Every child is different. Every parent is different. So don't judge. And like I always say every week, mind your business. Hashtag be kind. But Crystal, I think it was Carrie and Albie. Remember Amazing Albie that come on and Carrie? She put a really funny post up. I shared it on my Instagram and it was like, nobody has ever asked you a job interview or when you're older, what age you were when you were potty trained. It's true. (laughs) judging other people on their milestones. (laughs) Yes, very true. Actually, I always tell everybody that I was 16 months old when I was first dry. I was was going to tell you, my mum's in my TV. (laughs) <laughs> my mum has never even expressed to me any sort of story <laughs> to do potty training at all. Just she just uh, told me the mishaps. She didn't tell me how good I was. You know? Yeah, it's always it's always the uh, yeah yeah the negative. But let's get on, Mister Black. And welcoming back onto Let's Talk Autism this week, we have got Mr. Black. Mr. Black. Hello. <laughs> Hiya, Pete. How are you going? Considering that we've been in lockdown for four million days and I've uh, not slept and the children are being homeschooled, yeah. Now, Pete, last time you come to speak to us about ADHD, spoke about depression and suicidal thought. Yeah, this week you are coming to speak to us about toilet training. We put a little shout out to our listeners to see if any of you would like to come on. And you volunteered kindly. So thank you very much and welcome back. So tell us a little bit because toilet training with autism and additional needs is a tricky one, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think there's, it's a number of different issues with it, really. I think because I've done it so many times now. I think first of all is you get everybody asks you as, an, as a parent, no, are they toilet trained yet? And I think there's such a level of pressure on parents that have got an autistic child, even before you are actually start doing it, even before you actually think about it, they're always going, are they toilet trained yet? To then, and I think our balance, you know, we've got a different set of, of sort of goals, really. You know, we've got to let them do it at their own pace, where I think a lot of children, you know, they've got to do it before nursery or they've got to do it at a certain time, or there's an expectation to meet a goal Whereas, 
it's a much bigger goal and it's a much more it can be a much more difficult task when you've got a child who's autistic because I think it is a it's one of those judgments isn't it I think a lot of parents even if your child doesn't have an additional need it is one of those things that people always seem to question it's like one of those little hidden competitions and it it really irks me because it's one of those things like oh are they speaking are they walking yet are they toilet trained yet it's just another milestone for people to compete Mm. against we know that some of you do that we know it (laughs) tell us a little bit about your experiences with toilet training so right it's a bit of a trial by fire my experience because the first child obviously i've got four and the first child is obviously the most difficult one when you're trying to toilet train and i think there's a lot more complexity with it because he's got sensory processing issues as well as it starts off a much more difficult sense really because what you're doing is you're toilet training and you're also trying to balance his sensory needs because also what people don't say, tell you as well, when you've got a child's got sensory needs as well, they've just got sensory, you know, they like that sensory input. And unfortunately, we improve smell and they, they're warm, they're cold, they're great. If you've got a sen- and people don't like to talk about it. And I think it's almost, you know, there's this fear among everybody to, like, talking about potty training. And actually, you know, some children don't get it. Some children play with it. And unfortunately, mine was a, a wiper quite early on. You smear it and wipe it everywhere. Nobody in the autistic community really talks about it that much. You know, about smearers. Uh, when we said about what you'd like us to speak about, uh, when we put it up on our Instagram post, we had quite a few people say it about smearing. And this isn't something I haven't experienced with my children. So just explain. Let okay, me, so... Get it, get it out there. In my son's case, it's a sensory need. So... Poo's like the ultimate sensory need. It smells, it's going to be gross, sorry. It, it tastes, it's got a taste, it's got a smell, it's got a feel. It's, it's a whole remit of different sensory needs and sensory flavours, sorry. And it smells and all kinds of things that nobody likes to talk about. And I think even with professionals, you go and see him and say, you know, he's playing with his own poo and they go, well, can he stop? No, he can't stop it. We've tried everything. No, we've we tried to. The problem, I think, a lot of the time is that everybody expects it. They'll just grow out of it. It took quite a long time in our in our house. A you're very not, long you're not, time. You're not alone, to be honest, um, with you, Mr. Back. So our starting point really was that he enjoyed being in a dirty nappy. And I think when you're looking at it and you're going, most, most children, do they know when they want to go? Or do they can they feel it when they need to go for a wee or a poo? And I think... It's hard sometimes, especially when they don't always possess the communication skills to be able to tell you yes or no, or it becomes about something else like sensory needs. So when we first started, we we ended up with him and we knew he was sort of ready, but he would sit in a nappy all day if he could. What sort of age was this, Pete? It was quite early on. So we tried, we tried early on. It was literally, it was not good. So we started about two years old and it was, it went badly. So he was ended up nearly three. By the time we had it mastered, it was sort of five. And still now, we've got a 10-year-old, 11-year-old now, who is still occasionally urinating, weaning himself. So that's more of a sensory need for him rather than that he doesn't know when he's going to go. And, you know, we questioned him because he's quite, he'll talk about it. You say, well, why did you wee? Because it was cold. And it's, 
it's not just because you can't he doesn't understand that that's not socially acceptable so even with the the poo and the smearing we still didn't we found that that you couldn't get it into his head that that's not what people do it's not socially acceptable mm. it doesn't you don't have to smell. Dan, you've heard this as well, haven't you, of your son? Yeah, well, I never heard anyone talk about smearing before, ever, 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 ever. So when he started doing it, I was really, I was really worried, to be honest with you, because I was like, oh my God, why is he playing with his poo? Um, and I was thinking, I think with the other two, we've had some accidents in the past and, you know, they've played a little bit, but with him, it was quite consistent. And I started worried, and we were worrying because I was thinking, oh my God, if he does this, like, at nursery or something so um i didn't realize it was to do a lot with to do with the sensory stuff because he's you know he's all about the sensory you know and he used to play with it and sometimes i'll just i'd be sitting down and i'd see him doing something like playing with something and i'd be like oh what's he playing with come nearer oh my god what are you doing yeah. you know so it's like oh my goodness and you know it took me a really long time to for me to be able to cope with it and then when I could cope with it, then now I could help him, you know, because at first I just used to tell him off, to be honest with you. I used to tell him off, stop doing that, stop doing that. Then I had to understand, okay, I need to tackle this in a different way. And I started potty training and um, both my boys, which I thought was a good idea, during lockdown. I thought, I'm going to take this opportunity, yeah, and really, really get them potty trained. It'll be done within a week. <laughs> big mistake and I spoke I spoke to one of my friends she's got two wonderful girls and she told me oh they were potty trained in five days I said no, can't wait five days no more nappies I started the process and I am telling you it was a complete shambles <laughs> absolute shambles I had to remove my rug and it took forever because at one point we got to the point where both of them were they were going to the toilet for you know for a wee but when it came to number two it was an absolute roadblock you know they just would not go in the toilet and for my youngest one all i did is i i, I went on youtube look for poo songs as you do <laughs> found a really a uh, good poo song he watched it one time and then for him that made him comfortable to start going to the toilet but for my autistic son it didn't work. He now, he wouldn't wet himself, but when it came to number two, he would just go hide in the corner or somewhere and he would do it in his pants. And I kept saying to him, you don't do that in your pants. You don't do that in your pants. So then when he realised you don't do it in your pants, when he did want to go, he'd go and get a nappy and then he'd give it to me. So I knew that he wanted to do number two, but still he wouldn't go to the toilet. And then we got referred to a service, I can't remember what they're called, but they help with potty training. And they kind of made us look at things like his diet. Obviously his diet is quite limited. So that contributed to him being constipated, which they say might contribute to why he doesn't want to go to the toilet because it's a little bit difficult. Um, they gave us different techniques to do, but it hasn't worked and he still will do number two just in his nappy but that's where we are at at the moment so my final straw i'll tell you what it is it's disgusting but i'll tell you because i had the poo moisturizer so i woke up he woke up one day and he, and he obviously didn't play it but he went morning and he went his hands all over my face oh my god <laughs> and, you know you have this like repulsion because you know what he's just done <laughs> And obviously, I just thought, I really cannot cope with this any longer. I need to, we need to potty drain. So I had like, honestly, it was, it was falling out my hair and everywhere. 
And you don't want to overreact because you know he's going to have a meltdown. You don't want to scream and you don't want to do anything because you know shouting at him is not going to make any difference to him. So I literally just sat there smiling with it in my like dribbling off my face. <laughs> and I thought I've got to do it at this point. So then we started. What they don't tell you is all the strategies that work with neurotypical children are not going to work with children that are autistic. Right. So clapping doesn't work. It scares them singing, reward charts, because they're ambivalent to a lot of those different techniques they suggest to neurotypical children. So what we ended up doing is, first of all, is I used to take him to the toilet with me constantly. So I'd take him and, and normalise just going to the toilet and sitting on the toilet. And then, so I'd go and take a book with me. And sometimes I didn't need to go. And I'd go through the whole process with him. And he'd, he'd literally be stood there like trying to look in the toilet. Parents get used to it, I think, with an autistic child, but he'd stand there very, very close when I'm on the toilet at any yeah, point. My son still does this, yeah. Yeah, I still get that now, you know, in the bath, can I have a cuddle? Can you hug, hug on the toilet, hug. And he'll go through, he'll go and find the door that's unlocked. So what you end up doing is you end up trying to find, take to taking him, we started to do it. The wheeze, he'd sit there wet all the time. What we ended up doing is, first of all, we put him in pants, we showed him it was a big boy pants. We put my pants out every morning and his pants with me so to show we were big boys. And then what we did was, we then I go to the toilet every single time. I take him with me and I take the potty. And the potty kind of defeated the purpose in a way because he couldn't get that the potty and the toilet weren't the, were the same, to the same job. So we ended up bypassing the potty altogether and just having to go and take, put him on the toilet. This is what I was what what went wrong, not what went wrong. I mean, I'm very lucky. My son did learn very quickly, but it was on the potty. So by 20 months, my autistic son was potty trained. But to then get him to go onto the, the toilet, you're talking a good few years after. So yes, he was dry, potty trained, if you like, but potty trained, not toilet trained. That's where with us it was like, oh my goodness, I think he was he was, yeah five when he was actually using a toilet and that's a big three years using a potty yeah. yeah what you end up doing as well you end up carrying a potty around everywhere exactly that's what my life I've, was I've, yeah. I've seen i've actually seen people do that as well i had to do that it was underneath yeah. my pram all the time or in a bag yeah. yeah well you have to do what you have to do i think listening to this i think a lot of people might think oh my goodness like goodness this these are like extreme measures but you have to understand your child so just like peter my child he learns um, a lot visually so he, by watching he will understand okay this is what i need to do so as you're talking about you going to the toilet and your son being there looking very closely some people might be like oh no this is absolutely ridiculous but i understand it because i'm thinking as soon as you said it i was like oh my god this is a good technique <laughs> we might have to try this you know because I understand that visually he understands, okay, so this is what it looks like. Okay, so I have to do this and I think he would try it. Yeah, and I think it's different as well. When a mum's trying to teach an autistic boy to stand, can't teach an autistic boy to stand up and wee. And I think it's very difficult sometimes to explain the concept. So we ended up putting a target in the toilet for him to score points. So what we would do is put the target because otherwise he'd just wee everywhere. It would just literally be like a fountain all over the place. We set up a target in the toilet and he would score points. And by making it a game, he, we changed that sort of dynamic where he was just going for a wee to it, he wanted to go. 
So honestly, when in the first few months we'd go to the toddler about every six minutes it was. It was hundreds of times per day for him to squeeze out a drop just to hit this target. With poos though, I think it is more difficult because a lot of autistic children have such restricted diets and a lot of them do get constipated. We had a child that was constipated all the time. And it is, it's much more difficult because they can associate that with pain and we're trying to pass something that is painful where you're still trying to make it something that's fun. Say we took books, we tried to you know, massage his tummy before he went to the toilet. Very difficult to change the diet, I think, in a lot of respects. That And, and people don't understand, you know, they're not going to eat anything that's not beige or white. Mm. Did you try anything like um, adding like, natural laxatives, such as I was told things like prune juice was good. So I was trying to get a few drops in his food, but, you know, they're very clever and can notice when something's changed. But were you able to do anything like that? See, prune juices think it's, it's such a strong taste and it's such a strong colour and everything else. I think they t- can detect it very easily. We found that pear juice worked quite well. We was actually told, my doctor told me because uh, with my son, he, he had real bad trouble going to the toilet. And then his behaviour was like, really, he was, he was just uncomfortable and that's why his behavior sort of escalated and he was really having quite a lot of meltdowns and things and they said just to try a gluten-free diet and it actually works <laughs> it was a massive massive uh change in in him in his toilet habits everything really but, yeah but i couldn't oh, gluten-free it. diet i'm a celiac anyways i don't have a massive amount and the children don't have lots of bread or anything in the house yeah. Because it, it takes like kryptonite to me. It takes one little dose in my meal. We don't have any gluten, don't have that much gluten, really. Have you heard of that though, Peter? Yeah, I've heard of that suggested previously as well for autistic children anyway. I think gluten is such a horrible thing to digest and get out of, out of your bowel and it tends to have problems. There's quite a lot of nice gluten-free alternatives though. And we only did it for six months uh, with my son. And it, it did make a difference. But then I don't know. You never know, do you? It's so hard to judge because at the time he had just transitioned into the school. Things were settling for him. So you always think, what was it? Was it the gluten free or was it the circumstances? You, you know, it's hard to pinpoint what was making him feel better and more comfortable to go to the toilet again. Yeah. yeah. Everybody has suggestions, though, for you. As soon as you talk about potty training and diet and autism, everybody has a million suggestions for you. And I think it's about finding what works for you and rather than listening to lots of opinions, which everybody seems to have. Everyone's an expert. Everybody yeah. is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Peter, what would be your tips for any person, you know, just starting out and feeling like, okay, this this is, we're going to start toilet training? I think it's about sticking with it and trying not to become disheartened yourself because I do think they pick up on it very quickly. And I know and I've talked to a few parents who tried it, panicked because it's not working after a week or after two weeks. And I think it's a constant process that you train with an autistic child to keep trying the same things again and again until something sticks and to not be afraid of trying to adapt it or to change it just to get it to work. And it is constantly, if you can stick to it, most parents do a few days and they go, oh no, everything's gone wrong, <laughs> you know, it's not working. And what all we did is literally had their puppy pads that you train a puppy on. We had them on the sofa. We had them on the table. Literally, our house was papered in puppy pads everywhere. <laughs> I think we could have taken shares out in them because we would have made a fortune. They were just what, everywhere. What are puppy pads? Sorry, I don't know what these puppy. are. Puppy. When you're training puppy a puppy, pads. a puppy pad. Sorry, it's when you're training a puppy 
and you have they're going to wee and poo everywhere. So yeah. you put them down on the floor. But what you could do is we had like a blankets over the sofa and over all the, t- the table and everywhere. And we put them puppy pads underneath. So if they got wet, it didn't destroy the sofa or destroy oh, the bed. Oh, Peter, why didn't you tell me this before? Goodness, that would have saved me a lot of heartache. <laughs> yeah, we had plastic bed sheets. We had under the rugs. We had under the everywhere, all over the house. It was literally a pathway from here, to, you know, from one bedroom to the toilet to the living room. We had them everywhere because it would mm. just stop at one point and we. Yeah. And it was going everywhere. Yeah, and the thing is with, with some things as well, though, as you say, with sensory, all children are different with their sensory needs and things. Because um, we had the plastic bed sheets with my son, but it was hard because he felt the difference underneath the top sheet. It sounded different. He was getting hot. Do you know what I mean? So we couldn't use that, but the, we did use the puppy pads as well underneath, just underneath him. and, and that's Because they work. feel like material, though. Yeah. And that's, that was the difference in the bed. We noticed that straight away. You could slide on the plastic sheets, but on the puppy pads, I keep saying puppy pads now, I should get shares. On those, they don't move the same. They, they tend to stay in the same place and they don't move around. They can't really feel it underneath. Oh, thank you so much, Pete. I think what we've covered today is really going to help people. And I'm so glad that we spoke about the things that are not really spoke about in regards to toilet training and smearing. Mm. And, you know, the sensory process inside of all this too. And we just want to thank you so much for coming on, Peter, and speaking to us again. Yes, thank you so much. Where can we find you if we want to find you on Instagram? It's Mr. Black underscore the center dad. Thank thank you you, so much, Peter. You're welcome. (laughs) Chris always tries to do it in that sexy voice. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. So that was very informative, wasn't it? No, it was really, really good to hear, you know, some of the things that Mr. Black said. I could identify with a lot of these things as well. And I'm sure that there's a lot of parents out there thinking, okay, thank God, someone's spoken about it. I'm not an alien. I'm not by myself with this. And yeah, very informative. What about you, Misha? You said you didn't deal with the whole smearing um, aspect of things. No, I did know about it from my teaching days, but I didn't actually... From um, what, sorry? <laughs> I didn't actually kind of know... What is, but it makes so much sense, doesn't it? And how Mr. Black explained it with the, you know, with the sensory reasons and things like that of why children with autism or with sensory processing disorder and additional needs do smear. And I found after this, I've done a little bit more research and I did find on the National Autistic Society some, some brilliant information. So if you are worrying about this or, you know, want to find out more then there's a really good guide on smearing on the national autistic society website and explains that like an autistic person might smear their faces because it could be a medical thing sensory behavioral and to be honest crystal we could have just kept going on on and on and on today couldn't we like because there's so much to cover with toilet training because we we touched on diet there and constipation which is very common also the sensory issues we had the smearing the black even once we had turned them instead of recording off we was there for a good while after talking about other things that could have been included in this week's podcast so i definitely think this is something we can come back and revisit yeah i think definitely it we definitely need to revisit a few of the topics that we touched on i think diet is really really important because it can play a big part of toilet training it you know it kind of goes hand in hand really um, so that'll be really good to revisit in the near future. So do you think, Christelle, what sort of diet do you think uh, 
you know, you could encourage? Could you could you do the whole Weetabix and beans? Never. That's a criminal act. That is a criminal act. And um, even just talking about it is upsetting me. <laughs> Anyone who didn't see the tweet this week, it was on the advert, wasn't it? It was the Weetabix advert with baked beans on top. Do you think they're cold? Yeah. Do you think all that's cold as well, Crystal? Or do you think it's heated up? I reckon it's heated up so that the Weetabix can go mushy. <laughs> but it was, <laughs> it was hilarious how everyone literally got involved i'm not really in twitter like that but i had to go on and see <laughs> all the comments i think um kfc wrote alexa how do i delete someone else's tweet crispy <laughs> <laughs> cream said seeing as all rules are out of the window fancy a gravy filled donut oh, i think i what would you rather have though christelle a gravy filled donut or wheat bits and baked beans i think i'd go with a donut what about you i'd go with the donut at least there's a little bit of <laughs> something bit of nice sugar there. there. A bit of sugar there. I'd go for the donut. <laughs> oh, Christelle, don't. I might just try it. Maybe if we get yeah. to 2,000 followers, Christelle will eat wheat. <laughs> I won't. I really won't. <laughs> All right. If we get to 2,000 followers, I will eat wheat and beans. I'll film her. <laughs> That's it. 2,000. You can follow us at Let's Talk Autism Podcast. Chris, so don't you think, though, like these are the things that are not spoke about? And I'm really glad that we're speaking about these things on the podcast. Yes, I think it is needed and it just helps people, doesn't it? It just helps yeah. people because sometimes you just don't even know. Sometimes you don't, when something's happening, you don't even know where to go. You might even feel a bit embarrassed to bring it up. I'm glad that we're using this platform to talk about sensitive topics. Yes, that's it, isn't it? Sensitive topics. You've hit the nail on the head there, Chris. Obviously, obviously. Well, Christelle, it's been another great week. Can't wait to get this podcast out there. So I'll speak to you next week. You can follow us over on Let's Talk Autism Podcast. You can follow Christelle at ChrissyBaby10, me at the Cockney Blog Girl, and you can find us on Facebook and Twitter also. Thanks very much. Adios. Bye-bye now. Bye.